0: So you're gonna
1: make a lot of money, right? Yeah, let's cut to the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? If you're
0: drowning and I throw you a life jacket, would you grab it? Yes! Good! Pick up 200 shares. I won't let you down. Pay
1: him.
0: Pay this man his money. Ask them how they'd like to see 30-40% returns. What are they gonna say?
2: No? I don't wanna see those returns? Where's the
0: money, Lebowski? So you're gonna make a lot of money, right? Be aggressive. Learn how to push. Show him a 3% return? I'll trust you to watch his
1: kids. For the I'm a big fan of
0: money. Move around.
3: Motion creates emotion. I did not know that. That's it. I'm done. Longhorn beef and jacks. I'm Tom I'm Smed burn on the board. SB futures up eight. Nancy futures up 44. Brisk day here in Chicago. Mm. Uh, a, little, a little chillier than we've been expecting. Uh, dealing with uh, Matt, but uh, I guess we'll I guess we'll work through it. And do what but, we gotta do? And uh, what, did, what does Nancy say? You 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 uh. Endure and you move on, exactly. or something <laughs> along those <laughs> lines. It's do we have? Right. Do we have Mr. Kevin? We do indeed. What's up, man?
4: Yeah, the the uh, the uh, Jim Valvano version of that is survive in advance.
3: Yeah. The uh, so what's going on in your world today? All kinds of stuff going on. Uh, boy, oh boy, the difference yeah. in uh, what you know. What's an investor to do here? Uh, the uh, you got people talking about Morgan Stanley saying, look out for another double-digit decline in the stock market. Other people saying. Uh, Don't worry, we're going back to the. uh, everything's going back to old highs. Look for a huge melt up at the end of the year. I mean, if you are bullish, you find people who agree with you. If you are bearish, you find uh, people agree with you. It makes it uh, somewhat different, Kevin. I don't know. uh,
4: Well, which which are you, so that I know uh, whether to agree or disagree?
3: I I am I am somewhat a little bit kind of neutral here, maybe to the to the uh, downside a little, because I am reading an article this morning about the European Central Bank looking to drop their. uh, uh, they've got 9.1 trillion dollars on their balance sheet worth of bonds and they're looking to sell those. And my, I guess my question there is to who because um, unlike ours, I mean they' are well ours is our balance sheet's super high too, but over there they you know they have different countries they were buying the bonds from. and I don't know if any of those countries really had well, I think they have significant percentages of some of the, well, I'll use the term Qsip numbers. Like specific bonds from Greece and those kinds of places. I think Central Bank owns a lot of them. I mean, a high percentage of them. And I don't I don't know that they're as marketable as just your regular old U.S. Treasury here. I mean, the mortgages you can kind of let run off. Um, we just don't buy any more. Although now there's nobody really refinancing, so they're not coming off as fast. I think their uh, task is a little more difficult. A little trickier than ours um, if they really want to go there. Uh, so I mean that's a I mean when when you when you have a uh, a market that when people pour all this money into the into the system and the market explodes up damn near doubles or is up you know 40, 50, 60 percent some stacks clearly went way more than double and then all of a sudden the money starts to sneak out a little bit which it is uh, I don't know that you can you can say oh we're only we're only going to go down ten percent or twelve or fifteen because uh, you know I. I mean, I remember uh, two, two things I remember a lot. Uh, one was when I first started the business, and the market was, that was at $800. And uh, Joe Granville was Mr. Bear, I don't remember his head name, uh, but he was Mr. Bear, and every, every, his, his newsletter came out like every day, and the heading was Sell All Stocks. And, uh, and once things turned around, and you could see interest rates going down, it was pretty obvious to everybody that there was a, a huge tone change every day. He was sell all stocks, and he never... You know, he thought we were going to go right back to the same old, old mess, 15% interest rate, and we, and we never did. And now some people are, are thinking that these valuations, when interest rates were zero, and these stocks, you know, had ridiculous valuations, and, you know, no revenue, no, well, they had some revenue, but not much in the way earnings, are going right back up. So I think it's kind of a mixed bag, Kevin. I mean, some of the, when you look at a Dow Chemical, I mean, they're, they're, their PE is really low, their dividend is high. I mean, some stocks, I think, are... Are okay. I mean, are maybe even uh, undervalued. But then other stuff. I, I don't know when Meta comes back. I mean, Meta could be the, you know, whatever the the, the Cisco or the, or the Oracle of the 2000, where they know where they never come back. So I mean, it's I think it's a it's somewhat of a mixed bag. I mean, you look at this uh, this crowd last night. I mean, they uh, I think it was a crowd that came out and said, "That uh, how we get it up here?" Um, I'll find it. There we go. You know, things down. You know, twenty six bucks. So that's uh, what is that 20 percent? You know, I mean the headwinds on these companies that just there's not a whole lot to them um, in terms of you know there's an idea, and some for a while ideas are big things, and the next day they're not such big things. And uh, um, did you the next uh, day they're FTX? Yeah, well, you know it's it was funny. Did you read that? Uh, I forget the name of the company. Uh, something bit uh, they the outfit that declared bankruptcy yesterday. I read most of the bankruptcy filing, or read bits and pieces of it, and you know they basically uh, say it's, it's you know it's not their fault. Started with the the company that went under several months ago, many months ago, it was three whatever it was, then they which took down Voyager Digital and some other place, and how it, it's just been a train wreck going down the line, and how everybody owed everybody else money. And there's some stuff in there that I we have to maybe I'll talk to Carl because he's the only one that seems to know. Um, I mean you know about the the Bitcoin stuff, but I, I don't uh I'm, curi- I'm curious as to how these guys lent out in the uh the way the way when you when you when you short stack, okay, if you would decide to call PTF today and say, you know, I want to short you know, five hundred shares of pick pick a stack, I IWM or something. IBM. And uh what happens is we will sell the stack, you now we borrow RBC goes out and actually borrows a stack from somebody that knows it's being borrowed from, or they've signed something up that says they can lend their stack. And if the stack is lent out, because the guy who bought it is going to want his stack, right? I, I didn't realize that they were that they were lending out Bitcoin. I don't, I don't know how the hell you do that. Mm. Um, so people were, were so people were actually buying it, but not actually getting, you know, uh, whatever your your number and your place in the wallet and all the other stuff.
4: Not getting, yeah, not not downloading it into their wallet.
3: So, so I mean, I, I don't know how. I mean, I don't know the mechanism of that. But evidently, there were and people were making. Uh, They're paying people huge money just to put their Bitcoin there so they could lend it out to other people. So people were buying it and they were lending it to them. And I don't know what the motivation of that was, but it seems like there was this whole cottage industry of stuff like outside of the normal way of doing this. And I, you know, man, that's that. I don't know how you. It's been years and years and years that people put these mechanisms together so they don't screw up. And I don't know, you go head to the Bahamas and start doing this stuff. So, I mean, evidently, this guy's claiming that the reason why they went belly up, and of course, they plan to stay in business. They're not They're not trying to get out of business, they're trying to hold off the creditors. But the place that uh, FTX is uh, trading on, the A something something, so the, the, those guys owe these guys, you know, millions and millions of dollars. Well, they're not going to get it. So they, you know... So oh, they can give them tokens. Yeah, they give them tokens, but, I mean,
4: I The best I've heard that called is electronic beanie babies.
3: Yeah, I mean, it, but it ends up being, uh, you know, it's it's all within the industry. And, and again, as we talked about yesterday a little bit, of so we'll go over it, if Bitcoin were to stay at 60 grand, everything would be fine, I guess, until it got even more invasive. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, so the question is... I. Well, the, one of the phenomena I just add, Kevin, that I kind of mentioned yesterday is we've seen, I mean, if you take the numbers here, we're down 7.4, as, as I was reading this weekend, trillion dollars in value in the in the uh, NASDAQ this year, which is like a real lot of dough. And uh, and I, I went through and we're up to almost three and a half, four trillion 4 trillion in just 6 or 7 stocks, which makes sense because those 6 or 7 stocks are 45, 50% of the, of the NASDAQ, uh, so it's not like the you know, the, the, that's, a, that's a revelation. But the, uh, you, you end up, I mean, it doesn't seem to be, so many people are just sort of comfortable here. I mean, I mean, Kenny yesterday was taking it. Kenny's been a long term investor kind of guy. And he was saying, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy, I'm, I'm keeping my NVIDIA, my Apple, and everything. Well, no. Kenny saw NVIDIA at three something, and now it's 157. I mean, he, he can't be happy. But my only, my only thought is that everybody got in before this all happened, not everybody, but a lot, large numbers of people got in before this all happened, kind of watched in amazement as stocks went from 100 to 300. Now they're back to 160 and they really didn't borrow against it like the people with the Bitcoin did and they didn't go crazy and buy a new house based on it and all that stuff. And it's just back down to somewhere near a little bit more than they bought it. And there's there's a remarkable lack of panic, seemingly, on the investment community, considering how far we're down from the top. But maybe we went up so fast, and now we're coming down so fast that majority of investors they they notice it, but they they don't mark themselves the market day by day like like professional traders do, and it's not like they bought Nvidia at three twenty, and now it's one fifty seven. So I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff going on here that is really interesting. And I don't, there's no conclusion to it. There's no trade to it, but it's it's interesting. And uh, what do you make of it? Is a uh, is somebody well, a,
4: a couple of things? Because when when I asked her the question. You know, it, uh, I really wasn't asking about the market, but the, the, um, uh, about FTX. One of the things that I'm, one of the thought processes I'm starting to see take hold in some of the uh, uh, some of the media is that, well, it really wasn't so bad. It was just a big fraud. So if they hadn't been fraudulent, if they hadn't been taking money out of it, everything would have been fine. Which I don't buy. No, I don't either. Um, so so I, I, I think that's you know that's a little bit of a danger sign here that uh, uh, lessons of lessons not learned. but um, what really when I said what do you think um, you know you're as, as it would because this is this is what you do for a living, you go right to the market. I don't. I'm more concerned about you know what's what's the general economic activity look like And I'm seeing, You know, and and look, I I tend to be nervous about these things. I'll be optimistic when I see good things, but um, but I I tend to be very cautious about how you know what I see, what I hear. And right now, I am seeing a lot of slowdown. Um, I am seeing a ton of excess inventory, so people aren't producing things, they aren't importing things, they aren't you know whatever it is, they aren't doing it. Um, It's that, to some degree, is starting to have a positive effect on supply chains which are still pretty groped up but they're but they're but, but better in many ways but, uh... but as soon as we have a demand spike i don't think we're back far enough that that's cured that we could call that cured and able to adapt very easily to uh... increased activity so even when it is time for us to uh... you know for for things to start turning a little bit and maybe getting more positive um, in my mind, I don't know that we're ready to be able to handle it. So uh, you know, I, I am very pessimistic about what 2023 is going to look like economically. I, I think there's going to be um, you know, a lot of slowdown, a lot of layoffs, a lot of, you know, and I think a lot of people are just trying to hold, a lot of small companies are just trying to hold off till after the holidays.
3: I'm with you on that. I, actually, I wasn't I, uh, maybe because I am in the industry even though know, I criticize other people. I went, to, I went to the market a little bit because I thought that was kind of where the question was, but um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't think that the that we, we listen, unfortunately. Fortunately or unfortunately, because they're not like they're dumb people. We listen to business news um, and other news. We're, 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 how can I put this? We're listening to a bunch of people making a million dollars a year for talking on TV. Or half a million or whatever the number it is. Yeah, so I try not to listen. Well, but I mean that's that's,
4: that's who's there. Sometimes I hear them. Yeah, you know, it's very much the uh, you can hear Jimmy or you can listen to Jimmy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I sometimes sometimes I uh, hear them. I will listen to them. But I, I don't necessarily hear them though.
3: Well, I mean, I think you uh, you you run the risk. I don't think they. A lot of those people have any connection, especially the people they bring in, the the CEOs, those kinds of people, and the you know and the just looking for you to send them money. Uh, they, they're they're not, I don't think they have any real connection with every man. And every man, I think, is is, is struggling. I mean, I think you're going to see a Christmas season that people buy their stuff early when they think it's on sale and you're going to see the thing die out a little bit. hope I'm wrong, but I think that's what you're going to find out. I mean, right now, you know, a huge amount of money spent on Christmas presents unless it's for, a, you know, a two-year-old or something. But the two-year-old doesn't know if he got three toys versus eight he would have gotten, right, or he or she. So I mean I think you're you're going to see people kind of uh, you know knuckling down. I mean if if turkeys are on sale you're going to have turkey for Christmas. If if something else is on sale, if porks on sale you're going to have roast pork for Christmas. I mean it's I think the, the little stuff that people don't even see. I mean you you could walk by the uh, you know the, the, the Tripoli e Tap for instance, and the night you were there when it was a Tulane big game and it was other stuff and the and the place was you know pretty much racking. Yeah, the joint's jumping. Yeah, well, now, last night... The business is great. Last night I went home, did a bunch of stuff, and uh, just walked up for a bowl of chowder, because Nick makes the best chowder, and uh, there's four people in the place. You know, so, wh- which night do you look at? Do you look at the night, I mean, uh, I think the uh, people have a, a grip on how many nights a week they go out, because the prices have gone up, not that much there, but a little bit, uh, but, I mean, you can pay $20 a drink downtown, now. you know, how many nights do you go out after work? If, even if you're, you know, even if you're in the business, I mean, uh, I mean, we go to the series all the time, you know, uh, you know, whatever we want, we want a bullet on, on the racks at sixteen bucks. You know, that's it's, yep. I
4: mean, Oh, that's n- another indicator, Tom, How many times? How many times in the last couple of days have you seen uh, how robust the uh, um, sci- Black Friday Cyber Monday spending was?
3: Well, all you had to do was, is listen to it's up
4: five uh, percent. Yeah, is that is that robust um, or? You know, if they're counting it in dollars, is that robust when inflation is much higher
3: than 5%? Um, if you would have uh, been sentenced, like I do because it's my job for my clients, to listen to the stuff all day, you had a steady stream of people to saying, this is unbelievable. They were up, actually it was up 2.3 or something percent in dollars. But Thursday, Friday, I guess, for the whole weekend was up 5 or whatever, whatever it's, it's in that range. And whatever uh,
4: the number is, uh, it, I, I just pulled that out of the air. Yeah, so it's, it's whatever it, the number is, it's way less than the uh, uh, yeah. inflation. So, so what we're saying is unit sales had to be down. That's
5: so
3: that's the what. Of some, and of course, between the three of those guys, comes a guy on and says, "What are you talking about? These numbers suck." <laughs> you throw the inflation in there. I mean, I uh, I'm, I'm trying to, uh, you know, I throw. Out, I used to keep, you know, stuff would pile up in my place. I'm trying to let that ha- not let that happen. I mean, I wish I had a uh, LL Bean catalog from three years ago. I have to believe the stuff's up twenty five percent, easy. Uh, You know, I'm not I'm not positive, but it's I mean, it just I don't memorize flannel shirt prices, but uh, I think this stuff is up a lot, and uh, and that just that's just regular stuff. That's not uh, I mean, I don't you know nobody wears suits anymore, so I don't have no idea what a suit costs, but uh, the I I think that you see this stuff going up, up, up now. What we're going to see, we are seeing some relief in gas prices, which helps people out. For some reason, diesel is not one of those. I mean, uh, uh, it's it's still, it's like a dollar more than gas now, which is somewhat rare. Yeah, and you
4: could argue that diesel is the most important, because yeah. that's what's baked into the cost of every product.
3: Well, what what do you do if you live up in Vermont and you're, you uh, eat your house with heating oil, which is diesel, right?
4: Yeah, but I'm even talking about for shipping. You know, when yeah. I mean, we we truck everything, you know, everything everywhere. Um, if it, it, you know, so we're we're getting no relief on the cost side of doing business of any company doing business.
3: Um, hey, we got uh, we have uh, one of our buddies who's uh, wants to talk about the World Cup. bit at six thirty, so he's calling in um, again. In Mike Murphy, retired uh, actually retired uh, military fellow um, and a good friend. Uh, we got,
4: should got we tell our best Mike Murphy story on on the air? Uh, no, nah, we probably shouldn't do that. Well, first of all, I got to
3: think of the best one, but uh, <laughs> there's
4: so so many good
3: ones. Mike, Mike was somewhat of a character in college. <laughs> what a good friend! Anyway, um, what do you make of this? Uh, I mean, I, I mind this a little bit more than than most people because I have a couple of buddies that I see once in a while. One of them keeps threatening to take me for riding a locomotive, but the uh, This railroad strike. I mean, I've had you know I have a whole bunch of texts back and forth with uh, this gentleman, and uh, it's it's all it's all about work rules and and sick leave and things like that. And and the the management got together with they got you know basically jammed by Biden and the rest of the people to uh, get this uh, agreement together, which I think Kevin is something like like, we haven't gotten a raise in, in two or three years, so the the total value of the raise over five years or something is 24%. Is so everybody, everybody who I was talking about earlier is making a bunch of money, being, being a, uh, a talking head on CNBC, is saying, well, what are you talking about? These guys are getting a 24% raise, and they're bitching, what the hell's minimum? Um, and, and you know, I mean, way more than these bumps, that wages is just one part of, one part, and maybe not even a huge part, of your... your uh, Job satisfaction. I mean, you know that better than I do because that's what we teach them. No, stuff. it
4: is a zero part of your job satisfaction.
3: Well, if you'll change jobs if, for more money if you if, think the other stuff's if, equal. If you think the other if stuff's equal. If
4: you're underpaid, it's part of your job satisfaction However, if you are paid properly and what you you know what you
3: th- feel is is the right wage, then it's just kind of baked in and it's a neutral for you. Well, I mean, uh, according to this gentleman, I mean, I, I, I actually would, well, I'm, I'm sure he's not going to like him on the air, but uh, the head of the, what the hell's the guy's name? Who's the, uh, I'll find it here, the guy that they all love to hate. Um, the guy who's the, the head of the Union Pacific. Now, I don't know whether there was um, any kind of, uh, uh, you know, I'll use the term collusion, um, but the, uh, the, uh, the, Lance Fritz is the, uh, uh, not, not such a good, adjutant, CEO of the Union Pacific Chief. Uh, anyway, and it, they put together, now whether they colluded with their lines or not, <coughs> you know, I don't know, but it seems to be something people can do today that they were used to do before, or at least realized it was wrong before, and I don't think they even... Can you, can you imagine somebody getting... Uh, a couple of companies getting nailed on antitrust. These these companies now, there's only three and four and five uh, companies in a whole industry. If somebody saw some kind of a made a complaint about a rate increase or a, or something, and you could you could pin the two CEOs of either calling each other or at the out for dinner at each other, playing golf with each other. Can you imagine? Today, people today wouldn't even know. That's almost a prosecutorial prosecutorial offense. I mean, if you could prove it, uh, anyway. Um, Allegedly, the goal of these guys, I don't know how many years ago, was to lower the amount of people work. I mean, obviously, you see freight trains now, there's no caboose. Okay, and what's oh, a caboose? Well, you're talking about a person at the end of the train. And what was the, uh, back in the day, Kevin, what was the, the major reason they have a caboose? Well, there's a whole bunch of reasons, but... The biggest reason uh, was... Yeah, but
4: the biggest reason was to if, if, if there was a fire somewhere on the train that uh, that the person behind it would be able to see it.
3: Well, you're, you're actually your biggest thing was to watch watch the train going by you. Mm. So you could look at all the wheels and axles and see that you didn't have any smoke coming out of any of them. It, w- it was to essentially observe the train passing because you could observe that train, not the one you're on plus if you had a backup
4: True. but if there was a fire you know 50 cars ahead of you you would at least right. smoke.
3: but you also if the train ever had a backup, you had somebody in the back. Mm. so it was a safety thing. So the question is you know I'm, I'm all for efficiency you know and, and so are you and there and their, but their idea was make it a more current uh, current situation. the, the, ele- the uh, rapid transit, the trains in the CTA, Used to have a, a motorman, and there was a guy in the middle who was like the door. The guy op- open and shut the doors, and he was in the middle of the train. So when he looked out, he could see both sides if people were, you know, near the door, not near the door. So he he only had to look. Even an eight car train, he only had to look four cars, right? So but plus you had somebody in the middle. If there was anything going on in the train, he called police or whatever. Well, now they decide, okay, that's inefficient. So if, if everybody gets on a train and you see next to one of the doors. You see, this setup looks like it had a bunch of switches and stuff on it. That's where that guy used to be, all right, because he could work all the doors and stuff from there. Now they say, "Okay, we don't, we don't, we don't need this guy." Um, but in, in the economics that I learned, if you were going to pay, say, a buck for uh, to get on a CTA, and um, and all of a sudden you say, "Okay, we can we can fire this bleep," and now everything works as smoothly. Well, now. It, it doesn't take me to tell you that with the with the engineer, the motorman in the front, looking back eight cars, trying to see if everybody's in the train or not before he shuts the doors, it's not near as safe because his vision is eight cars instead of four. Correct. So you, not to mention you don't know if somebody in the middle of the train if somebody has a health incident or worse. Um, now, if, if all of a sudden,
4: yeah, you know what that guy's title would be now though.
3: What uh, kick the bums off the her. victim? The victim. Well, that's probably mm-hmm. true too. Uh, but now, but if, if you could make the analysis that says okay we are going to get rid of this guy so instead of a buck tomorrow this is classic economic theory i <clears throat> I'm not so bad at this you know it's, you know, it's been a while but and guess what tomorrow your your uh, your fare is gonna be 95 cents instead of a buck and this is gonna so the other five cents times however many bazillion people take this train a year is now back in the economy to be spent somewhere else it means okay uh, that five cents is not going to go into a Christmas present. It's going to go into a beer at Tripoli. E, it's going to go someplace into the vacation with the wife. Um, all of a sudden, the motorman who now doesn't have the or the, the conductor who now doesn't have the job, because money's going to other industries. I'm not saying it's an equal job. He should be able to get a job as a bartender somewhere because all that money's going to bars or it's going to something else or it's going to cars. And people are all of a sudden going to buy a hundred thousand more, hundred more, hundred more cars in the city. So there, there, there's a there's a movement to this, but it, but it never works that way. <laughs> the, 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 you know, the, the, I'm going to say that the fares have like tripled since they got rid of these guys. So if it just goes into overhead and goes the mulps working in the upstairs, or it's go it, if if the uh, if it goes into the, the chairman of the University of Illinois or something, it doesn't go. It, your entire economic work starts to gum up, Kevin, and and that's what I see. I mean, I, I can see the Fed coming back on this stuff and in and in their mind lowering quote inflation, but the, but the the inflation that's already stuck up, everybody's behind, your, your utilities, your your hospitalization, those kinds of things are not coming down. So you you're, you're only really playing with, you know, it's it's like it's like Fed trying to cut the budget when seventy percent of it is already fixed. check your center out, you can't do it because the little piece you're trying to cut can't absorb the whole number you're trying to do you understand at all what i'm talking about yeah i understand
4: and and i do think though to a great extent that there is there are emerging industries where you know people displaced people can move and and that's you know that that does fit with the classic theory the but the problem is that you're you know you're not getting the pay uh, the fair cut in the first place
3: well i started this because
4: Government is not operating in uh, the public interest. Government is operating in government's interest.
3: Well, anyway, my long story short, wait a minute, don't tell it, but I'm way too late. These railroad guys are pissed off because they're 24 7. And, they, and, the, and the, the company decided they can run the railroad with 50% of the people they used to run it with. And they got down to 58% or something, according to my buddy. And they, and they never made it to 50, but they got down pretty far. And part of it is they, they, they just keep. Uh, you know, people are on call the whole time. So, literally, if you if you're on a Saturday and you're at a family birthday party, they call you. You don't show up like twice. You're, you're canned or something or three times. That's what they're talking about. There's no. Plus, if you actually are sick, there's no such thing as a paid sick day. So, if you call in sick at all on a twenty-four-seven thing, you lose a day's pay. Well, hey, Kevin, that sucks. I mean, I. You know, yeah,
4: I, I so so yeah, paid time off. You, you, you know that that needs to be addressed, um, and. It's, it, it seems to me I, I read that they get like three weeks of you know a va- vacation you know call it vacation time but nowadays most people refer to it as uh, paid time off that's good so is three weeks of paid time off plus one uh, sick day is that is that a good deal or a bad deal okay if it's a bad deal then either more pay, more PTO or or sick time. Call it what you want to call it. People are going to take it as sick. Uh, you know, can take it off anyway, which is why they call it PTO. They just said, "Let's stop making it a scam." Mm. Well, so, but it, you know, it, they just need to they need to put it together in a in, you know in a in a decent way that's uh, that's palatable for everybody, where everybody can look at well, that, you think that. live with that? Think kind I think as 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 Congress this? is just going to do a cram down instead.
3: Well, sure. S and P futures up eight, and Nasdaq futures up forty one. package time. We come right back. We're talking about the World Cup. I'll uh, be right back. Stacks and
0: Jocks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks.
3: Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, Stocks, jocks, and stocks and jocks, you are out of control, here. right now, right here, right right Stocks and Jocks, I'm Tom Al, Ed Byrne on the board, SP futures up 7, NSF futures up uh, 37, we're trying to uh, come back, yesterday we had kind of a little bit of a down day, but the... Uh, cash wasn't down so much, but the spools were down 10, and uh, so it was not not a positive day at all. We got the uh, down futures up 19. Uh, the only individual stocks, I got Caterpillar down 216, I got Boeing up 241, so nothing nothing crazy. We have uh, uh, Fed share Powell speaking today, so that's what we're kind of waiting for that, see if he's going to come out all hawkish again. going to be some kind of a dovish tone, so we can maybe run up to the end of the year, but we'll see how that all works. Over in Europe, we've got uh, these guys came out, their inve- uh, inflation because their energy prices have paused going up, their inflation ducked under 10%, so uh, they're, everybody's a little bit happy about that. So the DAX is up 56, again, that much, point four percent What's he up 58.8%, a little more there. CAC around up 497 so the upside there, uh, moderately. Renasia, the Nikkei down 58.2%. Shanghai up a buck, call that flat. Uh, Hang Sang up another 392, 2.1. 18,500, these guys are up 4,000 points and probably... Three weeks in the low. So when is that 30 percent or some massive number, it's unbelievable. 25 percent, uh, crazy stuff. Uh, bonds, 10-year on one basis point, 3.73. The bund up two basis points, 1.93. But still under two percent. Uh, Japan had steady at 0.25. Uh, we've got oil up a dollar 74 to 79.94. These guys are down to 74 and they rally pretty hard this week. Uh, Brent up 206 that's 2% 85.09, natural gas up 4 cents 7.27, no longer under 6 like it was a couple weeks ago Arbob up 2 cents, 2.35 We've got gold up again today, 12.10 to 17.75, wow two days in a row in gold, that was hard, hard hard to do. A silver up 32 cents, 21.76 Copper up 9 cents, 3.73 We've got Bitcoin rallying again here, we're 16,848, still not 17,000 but up 388 so not causing any more problem, uh, at least this week, with all the people that are in trouble over there. We got the U.S. dollar is uh, the euro is uh, dollars down against both. That's why we're seeing gold up. Mm. Euro is at 103.6, and the pound is over 120. Uh, you know, pretty long way from it. its low low tick of 104 and a half, maybe six weeks ago. Mm. Matt,
6: what do you got for us? Traffic, weather, sports. Hey, good morning. Currently, 6:38 a.m. on November 30th, 2022. Uh, traffic in Chicago is fairly regular this morning, uh, so just keep those eyes on the road and avoid any accidents. That way I don't have to r- report on it. Uh, weather in Chicago, 25 degrees currently, partly cloudy, expect a high of 34 degrees. Temperatures similar for tomorrow as well. In Phoenix, 45 degrees, clear skies, expect a high of 73 degrees in the afternoon. Now for sports, Blackhawks to play against the Edmonton Oilers tonight at the United Center. Hawks 6-11 to this season, game starts at 8.30 p.m. Bulls also on tonight and playing the Phoenix Suns. Game starts at 8 p.m. Bulls at 9 wins, 11 losses. Suns 14-6. Week 13 in the NFL starts up this Thursday. We'll see the Bills play the Patriots. Bills lead in total win- season wins, 8 to Patriots 6. Game starts at 7.15 p.m. That's all for now, Chief. Back to you.
3: What, uh, we have Mr. Mike? We do indeed. Mr. Mike, how are you? Mr. Mike Murphy. Hello, Chief. How are you doing? Doing all right. We have... Kevin here as well, so we it's two against one, so we we got you. The, uh,
4: <laughs> yeah, we we just don't know who's who's got the two and who's got the one. Yeah, it's uh, good morning, <laughs> Mike. It's good to hear your voice.
7: Morning to you, Kevin.
3: What uh, I assume, uh, I mean, Kevin was in class yesterday, so he didn't get a chance to watch all the all the uh, World Cup yesterday. I did. It's uh, I found it pretty, pretty fascinating, and I also have been uh, my my brother and, and Matt Weber, who's uh, our executive producer. We're, we're pretty much into this soccer. I mean, my brother Dan's been coaching soccer since got yeah, Timmy was uh, was uh, you know old enough to play. And Dan, who really loves baseball, uh, decided he wanted no part of the parents. <laughs> the parents when you coach baseball because everybody thinks they're an expert. Yeah. So he actually went to class because he never played soccer to learn all the rules and learn how to coach and referee soccer. So uh, he said it was real easy because it only took an hour and all the parents did any. Any clue what was going on, so nobody ever gave you any crap. So he really enjoyed it. So so his kids are all all still playing soccer. So they know way more about it than I do. But I was uh well two things I kind of want to cover. One is uh, the, the game yesterday in the World Cup, but I also the 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 very uh, democratic way those teams can move up in leagues over there. I don't know if you guys know how that all works, Mike. You probably do, but it's really it's nothing like you know, like Major League Baseball or, or football here, where it's a huge class of uh, society where you got to get voted in and stuff. Anyway, let's, let's talk about the game yesterday first. What, did, what were your observations, Mike? Uh, that kid got hurt pretty bad. I don't know if see he's working. He's playing Saturday. He's superhuman.
7: Well, he—I mean, it was a wonderful goal, but he was set up very well by uh, Weston McKinney. Uh, Put the pass into uh, the the guy uh, death. Serginho Dest. He's actually also a Dutch citizen, so that was interesting. And then Dest had a great uh, a header, or yes, a header into Pulisic, and that's how he scored. So, I mean, it it really was fascinating how they set that up, and, and they had put pressure on that, really, the entire first half. So it was good that uh, they earned that goal.
3: Well, a lot of the people that I... Uh that I talk to that, that are watching soccer for kind of for the first time, and I, I guess my feel I need to get from you is, it, is this just World Cup soccer in the first round? They, people are kind of stunned that if a team only needs a tie, it, it's almost like the basketball equivalent of the four-corner offense when we were young. They, don't, they just kick the ball. I mean, nobody even tries to do anything if they're playing for I mean, Iran's, you know, the way they played in the first half versus the versus after they were down one was like light years different, or is it just me?
7: No, it, that's exactly what uh, what you're observing is. Once somebody scores, it kind of changes the whole uh, dynamic of the game. Uh, the Italians used to, you know, play that type of stall ball that the Iranians were playing yesterday, you know, and they're, they're just playing to tie, they're not playing to win. So once the U.S. scored, that's, That puts pressure on the Iranians to also score, and then that kind of opens up the game. So, I mean, that's really what it comes down to. When you see Brazil play, you know, they play an attacking-type type type soccer really consistently, and the Spanish do too, although the Spanish will let... uh, They they like to counterattack. Uh, you know they'll, they'll let the other team, whoever they're playing, you know, pass the ball around and get it down into their end and all that. But then their counter is very quick. So uh, and the Portuguese are kind of the same way. The Germans attack all the time, and then once they score, then they kind of they like to get the second goal and then they go into the stall ball, what I call stall ball. So
3: when everybody's that good though, Stallball can't be. I mean, you, you still your passes still have to be pretty good because those guys are on fast. If you're screwing up, they're gone. No, you're right,
7: but you know what? What the good teams do is they go to they try to control the tempo of the game, and that's where the U.S. toward the end of yesterday, you know, t- toward the end of the second half, you know, we kind of lost control of the game because some of our guys were totally out of gas, like Musa or. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, His I think it's his first name, but Youssef. It's Musa Youssef. You could see on the field that he was just totally exhausted. And the U.S. put in some subs, uh, a guy named Zimmerman, who's a defenseman. He played very well at the end. And uh, some of the other guys were doing well, but one of the subs, uh, Haji Wright, he, he was a little lackluster. He kind of, they could have scored one more time except he didn't quite finish it off and then another guy named Shaq Moore came in. They were the last two subs and uh, neither one of them played their best game. let's put it that way. Uh, but you know the US as a team played extremely well yesterday so you know it's a it, it was just to me it's a fascinating game to watch because, you know, there's no commercials for 45 minutes straight or longer. Really, yesterday's second half was probably an hour straight, and I personally enjoy that when I'm watching a game.
3: Well, yeah, for sure. I, it just, I mean, it. I mean, clearly, it's it's the equivalent of. Uh, I say this too much, but it's the equivalent of the South Side 16-inch softball. I mean, one bat and one ball and 20 people play. Mm-hmm. So it definitely is the world game in terms of, you know, the rest of the world doesn't have. Fifteen hundred hours a kid to, to for hockey, right? Basically, right. And uh, so yeah, these guys are. Uh, but I can't get over how big that field is. I was always under the impression that it was the size of a football field without you know without the goal lines. But it, it's like seventy yards wide, isn't it, or something?
7: Right, it's much wider than a football field. So
3: how do they how do they play it here? I mean, you, you couldn't they, you couldn't put a field that big in Soldier Field yet they play soccer there.
7: Well, they they might uh, they might adapt the the Size, but you know, for FIFA, they've got to play by whatever those rules are. You know, a regulation field, is a regulation field. You can't uh, shorten things up. So. What the?
4: yeah, they, they 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 use the sideline time, all that stuff where the football teams are. You know, they can you know they can just move everything over closer to the wall. You don't have to worry about people crashing into the wall or anything like that. Anyway, and uh, and they just use all of that space. Um, it's it, it's very doable.
3: So, they, but th- does the grass go that far? For <laughs> stupid question, I guess it probably does. <laughs> uh, I think uh, you
4: know they bring in grass for a lot of a, a lot of the places. What the you know, we had a place to c- do grass panels
3: as an example. A couple of my uh, clients actually were called in. And were were kind of bitching about. It seemed like the last ten minutes of the game, and this is you know sniping a little bit. It, does everybody just try and go down and get the penalty kick him? And the one guy in Iran was down holding his leg. He was actually screaming in agony. For probably a minute and a half, I, I've never I've seen people get hurt in softball fields and basketball hurt real bad. Nobody ever, nobody ever whined like that. This guy was screaming like his leg was off, was hanging off, and all of a sudden, the ref said, "I'm not giving you a card." The guy got up, took limp for about a second, and was running in a minute. Is that, is that is that the game near the end to try and get the penalty kick?
7: Yes, that, I mean that's exactly exactly what Iran was trying to do, and you see that a lot in the European league. But now they're starting to penalize players and teams for what they call flopping and that's what that guy tried to pull off was a flop so you know it's it's something like what brady's doing when he gets hit and he feels like he it's roughing the passer and the ref doesn't call it so you know it's, yeah, it's like watching duke basketball
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, what uh now we now in this next round there are no ties, right? So there's no. There's That's
7: correct. They will go to shootouts, you know. Once if the if the game's still tied, they'll do a shootout.
3: So there shouldn't be any of the. Although a lot of teams, I watched the uh, what was it Brazil and somebody, it just seemed like the first 15 minutes, both teams are just sizing each other up. They're in their own back backfield. They're just kicking the ball back and forth. It's like nobody's nobody's ready to go. Basically, balls out for 90 minutes doesn't appear
7: well that's correct but the, you know in the first 15-20 minutes of the game usually they're they're looking for weaknesses in the defense and seeing how the teams are going to play them that's uh that's why it was interesting to me yesterday that the u.s really attacked from the get-go almost and the iranians were on their heels really the most of the first half
3: well i mean we wanted the goal we needed to win so it, it kind of makes sense i guess
7: Yep, that sure does.
3: Now, we, now the next game is against the Netherlands, which is, been I mean, for lack of a better term, how many how many of our guys
7: could start for
3: the Netherlands? Any?
7: Ah, uh, that's a good question. I'd say, i I would say most of them, probably at least half, because you know a lot of our guys are playing in the European leagues. Um, Pulisic is in the Premier League. Adams is in the Premier League. I think sergeants in the Premier League uh, so I mean if you're playing in Europe you can play on most of the national teams although the Dutch are they may be technically a little more or a little better than us but you know what we lack in technical proficiency we might make up make up for in hustles and things like that so
3: um, because the, the guys who were doing the uh, announcing yesterday, I man, they were they were really crabbing at a, a few of the subs. Like God, those were and then the coach too. They go, they put these three guys in and they sucked." Basically, I mean, uh, the one guy Zimmerman saved the game, I think, with those three headers, banging them out of the other end. Right. But the uh, um, it seems like the guy who those other guys, what did he put them in for? for the, he, well, he not a good thing to say for remember,
7: any of them. one of the uh, strikers, uh, you know, the, the guys forward. He got hurt. He was taken out. That was Sergeant, And so he put in Haji Wright, the big African-American guy, one of the big African-American guys, because he's also a striker. And actually, he was trying to keep a little bit of offense on the field. That's why, uh, that's why he made that substitution. Death, I'm not sure why he took him out, because Death was playing really well. And he was hustling, and uh, he was... He and uh, the guy Johnson, Anthony Johnson, was, Death was on one side and Johnson is on the other. They they really uh, they also played extremely well because they kept forcing the ball. So there were they kept uh, the ball forward for the U.S. and th- and that helped our game quite a bit.
3: So the, uh, it seems like everybody likes to criticize coaches. and re- I can't imagine with the size of that field there's one referee.
7: Well, he's got two guys on the sidelines to help with, to assist with calls. You know, they don't actually make the call, but he can look to them for a little help. You know, those are the guys that are really monitoring offsides, but they're also looking for other fouls too. So, I mean, that, that ref has, to, you know, they're really hustling the whole time.
3: So, Well, yeah, I remember my my brother, uh, and actually the, these people on the black, I uh, have granddaughter, anyway play all the soccer. The weird part is, like, even like the little girls are playing, and it's like they're like 14 or, well, not a little at 14, but the, uh, the, the ref basically follows the ball. But if somebody wants to give it a cheap shot at on somebody, they just wait till the refs looking the other way, and you nail somebody, and, no- <laughs> and nobody. So there's a lot of there's a lot of cheap shots in some of these soccer games that never get seen by the ref because he's he's like the hockey guy. He follows the puck.
7: Right. Well, yeah, that's, that's the way I remember. That's kind of part hockey. of the game, you know. It, it, in the English Premier League, that's a very physical league, as is the the German Bundesliga. So I mean, a lot of these the players are reasonably tough. Well, they're physically tough, and uh, so, I, I mean, it is, it's a rough sport, and plus their endurance, I think, is much better than, uh, and you know, this is a hasty generalization, but some of their endurance is much better than an American football player. You know, American football players go for those, you know, five, six-second spurts, and then they get to rest a little, so soccer they're on the go
4: the whole time it's it's aerobic versus anaerobic would that be a fair way of uh uh describing it yes it would
3: what uh what is how many miles does a midfielder run in a game it's like four or five isn't it's like a lot
7: yeah and in previous world cups they've kept track of that but this time they're not i haven't heard any stats like that
3: uh was was the weather a factor i mean these guys look like they were pretty gassed near the end uh um, was, was it was it still warm even though it was nighttime probably was yes
7: I think so because uh, the announcers have talked about you know how um, how humid it is and uh you know that it's been hot during the day and so and but now we'll see the games are well, they're played a little bit later in the day well although I think the start time in uh gutter was either 10 or 11 o'clock so that's unusual, too, them starting the game so late.
3: I'm just kind of curious as a fan base. This thing takes so damn long. No, Nobody's going over to Qatar and staying there for like three weeks, are they? I mean, where do you see? Oh,
7: stay? you'd be surprised how the Europeans are doing it. And uh, uh, Africans, There's, you know, I've seen on the side. So- well, not on the sidelines, in the stands, People are out in full force for some of the African teams, Cameroon, Ghana, um, and then uh, the Germans travel well, uh, the Dutch travel very well, sometimes, it depends.
3: But do you want Uh, to see a a game?
7: The fan base travels with them, and uh, frankly, I was really surprised yesterday with the Iranians, and particularly... The statements that the women were making, you know, that fascinated me because you know the politics kind of went into the uh, game a little bit, anyways.
3: Well, definitely. I, it just seems like the uh, the whole thing takes a month, right, or three and a half weeks.
7: Uh, about three weeks. It, it's close to a month, though.
3: But I mean, I I, I, I would be the biggest soccer fan in the world. I'd, I'd have no no desire to spend three weeks in Qatar. Yeah. <laughs>
7: Well, some of these people, they like to do it. You, know, you could see some of the Americans. So. What can some we of them will, will stay as long as the team stays in the tournament. So.
3: And there's hotel rooms for all these people without any booze.
7: Oh. <laughs> well, unfortunately, uh, I think there probably is, because I think Cutter made a uh, determined effort to uh, build enough. I mean, did you have you seen the um, – they're not They're not quantit huts but they're something, they're cubicles that, you know, the Army has used them, but they're not quite as elaborate as what they're using in gutter. And they're charging 200 a night in, in gutter for these. They're essentially fancy connexes. Really? And uh, so the, the, they do have a way to house a lot of the people.
3: Well, Mike, we had a few minutes. Uh, my brother and Matt were talking after the show yesterday about how these, I mean, it's, it's so un-American. <laughs> I mean, maybe it should be. He says if, if you and I, <clears throat> the three of us, wanted to, you know, get a, a soccer team in South Bend, and we had a ten-year plan, if we we got the team, we could join a low. There's all kinds of leagues. We could, we do, if we do, decided to join <coughs> a low-level league, and we won the damn thing or the first couple places, we get to move up to the next league. So in other words, if we if we if the South if we bought the South Bend Cubs and said screw the Cubs, and all of a sudden won say the Triple A. We would get to move into the major leagues next year, and one of those teams would have to move down. It's you can you can go, you, you can get you can the thing is very upwardly or downwardly mobile, depending on. There's a, it's, you still get to play. I mean, it's not like you don't, but you still have their own stadium, for lack of a better term, and every town has one. But it's really amazing how if you're good, you move up. There's none of this millions and millions of dollars and having to be voted no, in I, by people. And it's you're just, right
7: it's the, you know, that's what uh, the English call the relegation, and, uh, you know, usually the bottom three teams get kicked out of the league, and then the top three teams in the next lowest league in England will move up to the Premier League. Same thing in Germany. There's a team called Hoffenheim in Germany that, uh, you know, they started out really low, local team, and their owner put a lot of money into it, and they, they're now in the Bundesliga now, so they're in the Premier League in Germany. And they worked their way up from the bottom.
3: How long did that take? Was it, was it a decade?
7: I'm not sure because I left Germany before they got in the Premier League. So it I don't think it took a decade, no, because the, the owner put a whole lot of money into it. And he started buying good players, and uh, he, they developed rapidly.
3: My brother says if you sign some kid who's a star and he's 16... But he's not, Can't really play in your league. You can like lend him out.
7: <laughs> That's correct, and that happens all the time in the European league.
3: And, and the universities. I mean, like we see here going on in college football and basketball, universities are not part of this at all.
7: No, the university system in uh, in Europe really doesn't serve as a you know a launching pad for pro sports.
3: So, the, so the, if I went to university in Germany where you were. And I was a soccer player. I either play in a club team, or I just I'd, I'd play for somebody else and get paid to be totally separate than my studies.
7: That's correct. Well, we used to play softball when I was stationed in Munich. We, the, the fields were right near where F C Bayern. F C is uh, Fußball Club Bayern, and they're really the premier league in Germany, or in uh, the pre- the premier team in Germany. And uh, so kids start out. At, uh, at a very young age, in the F.A. Byron club, and if, if they keep playing well, they'll they'll make the cut for the pro team. And there's a guy that's playing for England now, Marcus Rashford. He's been playing for I think it's Manchester United for since he was seven years old, mm. and now he's in the Premier League. Wow.
3: Seven years old? How the hell do you know somebody's yeah. good at seven? I guess you can tell.
7: Well, they well they just keep you know developing them it's it's essentially the well it's the club system it's just like in Charlottesville here we have uh, uh, traveling teams one of them and they're sponsored by this club called uh, soccer and uh, so as a as a player develops both male and female they can go on travel teams and then they <laughs> That, you know, and uh, travel teams will go until about fourteen or sixteen years old, and then they'll start uh, playing for an Olympic developmental team. And if they succeed there, then they'll, you know, become part of a club sport. And there are clubs in the United States that have done this also. I think in Maryland there there's a club that's yeah, developed my nieces, did, a that. Um, huh.
4: my nieces did that. My nieces did that. Kevin? They played clubs. I say my nieces did that. They played clubs. So, you know, you can play for your high school team, but if you're really good, you're, you know, the the better route to go and where you're going to get noticed for college scholarships, et cetera, is, is on the club circuit. So that's, you know, that's where, uh, the, you know, the best young players go. Hmm. Um, and they wind up not playing for their high school teams.
3: Well, this is we've got to answer in a second, but I, a, I guess I have a question. In some areas, are there, are, are the... High schools, I, th- I think in Chicago. I, I, boy, boy, I think in Chicago, like your Catholic league and some of those, their hockey teams are getting to the point where they're good enough where you almost don't have to. During the season, they're not appreciably worse than I guess the developmental hockey leagues. Is that is that a fair statement? I don't I don't know. Is there? In other words, no. I yeah, think, I mean, I think, I played,
5: think that you go play juniors. But
7: my nephews played uh, hockey all along, and they were always on travel teams too. Uh,
3: well, I think you are yeah, both, you know, but I mean, I, I, let's put it this way. The, the, co- the soccer teams in some of the areas here now are good enough to, or at least during the season, they're playing for the high school team. It, it looks to me, I, I don't know. No, that's
7: correct. Because I I know some kids around here that uh, play in different sports, and they're on a travel team, but during the high school season, they're playing high school ball.
3: Mike, last question. Does any of this have to do with AAU? Because here in Chicago, I know, my buddy Bill Murphy's daughters all played high school basketball. They were all real stars. and The minute high school was over, they were playing AAU the whole rest of the year. Is that, is that, has there been any inroads into soccer? Dave Murphy says in California, they mean, big inroads into, like, flag football and stuff.
7: No, I don't think in soccer. I think it's, it's still the, uh, you know, the soccer associations kind of control things. I don't know of any AAU teams for the travel soccer level.
3: Okay, Mike, it was, it was terrific. I have to have you back, bud. Kevin, as usual, see you on Friday. SP Futures up 6. Nasdaq Futures up 32. We're back. Professor Russell Rhodes.
8: three four five six that's seven oh eight three four nine three four five six or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com that's myhomesourcerealty.com
2: interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs traders executives and the everyday business person consider advertising on stocks and jocks with a devout listenership covering the Chicago market, along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at Stocks. Jocks. Stocks and Jocks. Stocks and Jocks. You are out of control. Right here.
5: Right now. Right here. Right
3: now. Right now.
6: That was my together, that was my together. Riding on the city of New Orleans Illinois Central, Monday morning rail
3: Hello Stax and Jax. Right, I'm, and Jacks. I'm Mr. Matt Byrne, one of my favorite songs, Matt. Where'd you dig that one up? I'm
6: glad it is. SP
3: features up song, 7, right? NASDAQ features up 38. Do We have Mr. Russell Rhodes. We do indeed. I'm here <laughs> now. He's got me started on this song. Um, very, very difficult to sing because the, the lyrics are almost like a book. Oh yeah. I mean, it's really something. And uh, you know the story on that song, uh, don't you, Russell? And Matt? No, I don't. Yeah, tell me. Remember a place called the Quiet Night? Matt doesn't. It's gone before he was born. Yeah. There was a no. Uh, there was a music place and the southeast corner of Belmont and Sheffield okay. on the second floor called The Quiet Night mm. and the guy who ran it um, had all kinds of uh, we used to travel all the way from the south side when I was young to, see, to go there Monday night uh, was uh, Blues Night they had Siegel Schwall every Monday night and I was probably there ten times but uh, every time I went i f- matter of fact I was there the night before uh, uh, Seals and Cross put out their album their first oh, album wow, yeah. and uh Anyway, so the guy, I forgot the name, the guy named Randall Place, but Steve Goodman was a, a singer there when he was young. He wrote uh, The train, train from the City of New Orleans. Wow, yeah. And he was not very much of a singer, but he was a hell of a writer. He wrote Gub's, Co-Cubs Go <laughs> and uh, those kinds of things. Yeah. And uh, so he, uh, so the owner said to him, look, you're never going to make this a hit, but this guy here tonight will make it a hit. It was Arlo Guthrie. Give it to Arlo. So he he negotiated the deal to give the song a written number. After that, you know all kinds of people sang it, but think Arlo Guthrie was the first one who made the original hit on it. So mm-hmm. talk about a little bit of a Chicago story there.
6: Oh, dub- uh, yeah, they mentioned Kankakee in that song. Yeah, well, ah.
3: Kankakee is is on the tr- on the on the track. You go straight see. south, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it goes. This is it's the uh, the l- the electric line. Ah, yeah. That's that's essentially the. And it used to be right on... uh, Well, the the Illinois Central was right on the lake. Mm. And it was horrible looking. Uh. So, of course, they filled in outside of it. Now you see the IC tracks are, are what, a half a mile in, maybe?
6: I think, yeah, that sounds about right.
3: And uh, the rest of it's all fill-in. And one of the uh, early attorneys that worked on a lot of the IC work was Abraham Lincoln. No kidding. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, he also... uh, the first railroad that had a bridge over to Mississippi mm. um, uh, was the Rock Island. Believe it or not, mm. uh, Chicago Rock Island and Pacific Railroad, and uh, so of course the, the steamboat operators were totally pissed off at this bridge, right? Mm. And uh, so one night so a steamboat guy ran into the bridge and wrecked the bridge.
6: <laughs> <laughs> Kamikaze. Yeah,
3: and of course the railroad sued, and it uh, was this big case, and I think Lincoln represented the uh, the railroad. Mm. And, a, and the railroad was talking about how it obstructed this, obstructed that. And uh, somewhere in there, the famous line, uh, where Lincoln, and I'm winning the case, how much money you won? I have no idea. But uh, whether well, it was enough to put the bridge back up, I doubt it. But the uh, his, his question to the steamboat operator was, did the bridge move to hit you? <laughs> <laughs> or did you hit the bridge? Yeah. <laughs> Which one of you was stationary? <laughs> the guy says, well... The bridge was stationary. I hit it goes, I got uh. no further questions <laughs> something along those lines. Talk about direct to the point, eh?
6: Next question is, is, is the bridge suicidal? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah.
3: So, uh, anyway, how's that for a, a bit of trivia that all started out by our buddy Matt here? Yeah, Russell?
6: great history lesson.
3: But, uh, anyway, I obviously used to read a lot about railroads. Yeah, but Because yeah. uh, going across the... Uh, actually, I got a, I got a question for you, uh, both of you guys. Hmm. You talk about mm-hmm. the, uh, the Transcontinental Railroad. And you know we built going east and built going west, and you know it's a huge story. And what was the, what connected? What was the final piece of the connection?
6: Oh man, I actually learned this in uh, American history. This was a big, big thing. (laughs) I don't remember.
3: But what you what you learned was probably wrong, huh? Because everybody's going to say it's Promontory Point, right, where the two sides met. That's right. Yeah. The picture of the two locomotives next to each other or Mm.
6: fronting each other and. And that was in Utah. Yeah, is and the
3: remember? guy. Uh, yeah, and the guy putting the uh, golden spike in and all that That's stuff. That's right. Yeah. Actually, it was another year or so before the the bridge over the Missouri River was finished. Hmm. So actually, they had they had built it all the way from Council Bluffs or Omaha, all the way west ah. before they actually completed the bridge from Council Bluffs to Omaha.
6: So they jumped the gun on that.
3: Well, they just, yeah they just it was like the last it was a big deal I mean, building a bridge that size. I mean. uh but yeah it was uh you know fascinating anyway russell how? what do you what do you uh, all kinds of stuff real stuff to talk about today I mean that's real stuff but it was so long ago what uh we have people yesterday uh, Morgan Stanley saying we're gonna drop double digits from here we've got uh, Tom Lee Mr. Bull saying get ready for the biggest rally ever to now in the end of the year really is a, a uh, let's say a a mental war between um, people that think we're kind of hunkering into. Maybe some of the some of the best times here, and other people thinking if the Fed pivots at all, we're going to go back to, you know, it's 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 celebration time with the with the money. And yet, certain individual stocks, like I see this crowd was down twenty four bucks last night. I mean, I've stopped doing. I used to do these uh, uh, in earnings plays, and these things. I mean, I, I don't want to be. I think this. Oh, well, I'll tell you right now. But I think the straddle was uh, maybe sixteen bucks, and the thing's down twenty four dollars. I mean, this has to be the. The old, I haven't done a rigorous assessment of this, uh, Russell. You have, I'm going to say that virtually every year up till now, every year, at the end of the day, if you'd have done every single earnings play of the top 500 stocks or say 300 stocks, you'd have wanted to short the straddle, I and mean, you'd have gotten your ass kicked on some. Mm-hmm. But, but the, I think the the winners would have been, you know, because more more people can buy it than sell it in terms of margin. Uh, I think the winners would have been the sellers. I think this year. First time in my life, I would say the winners have been the buyers.
5: Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't doubt that. Um, I'm over a long, long period of time, because I've I've taken not the top five hundred, but the top one hundred, and looked at how the straddle prices things, and typically, uh, over the course of a year, you break even. Yeah, well, you should. If you well, no, you break even. If you, it, But then if you start to put the bid-ask spread and the cost of trading in there, you lose about the bid-ask spread of the cost of trading. So both the buyers and the sellers of straddles into earnings over a long period of time lose money. Okay. Because the market is efficient. <laughs> I don't know if that part's 100% true. But, yeah, the earnings, it's kind of like a... It, you know they talk about derivatives being a zero-sum game, which is not true because different people have different motivations. of so people is to hedge and everything else. But trading earnings is a zero-sum game.
3: I'm, I think it, I think it, I'm saying this year.
5: Yeah.
3: Well, you know, the, oh, I know, no, I know exactly yeah. what
5: you're saying. It's a, that the uh, that that uh, um, the buyers have probably done a little bit better than the sellers. But I'm telling you, over a long period of time, it evens it it evens out and most quarters it just evens out it, it's rare that you have a quarter where a lot of the buyers or a lot of the sellers uh, would have been the, or the sellers would have been the profit made the profits because what happens is if early in earning season and and I I, I I try to narrow it down to all the stocks in that three week earning season but if at the beginning of earning season if you have a couple of outlier moves uh, you start seeing um the, the straddle's being priced a little bit higher as we go along.
3: Yeah, well, that makes sense.
5: Yeah. So there, there are a lot of nuances to that, but I do think this year, you know, we you, you expect Netflix or an Amazon or one of those guys to, to have a big one every once in a while. But like, what company did you just mention that moved a lot more than?
3: Well, this was a crowd, but the thing, the big, fascinating one for me in the last two weeks is Walmart. Like twelve or yeah, thirteen bucks. Yeah,
5: doesn't that?
3: do that. Well, this rental was like <laughs> seven great. or eight. You it know, know what I, mean? Yeah. I mean? that's
5: not that. That's one that, that rarely has a big outlier
7: move relative to earnings. And
5: you know what's even so even kind of weirder? I think I think that's what what's going on is you're seeing more outlier moves from the type of companies that we normally don't see outlier moves from.
3: Well, you know what else is kind of weird? I mean, I just anecdotal noticing, which isn't the same as you actually running it through all the numbers. You notice, like, with the IBM, for instance, we've done a lot of those in IBM, and IBM always gives you a great price and always moves more than it's supposed to. So I don't know if we, we might have one winner and a couple of losers. Of course, fortunately, you make a little bit more in the winners than you do on the losers, but lose on the losers. But uh, they not only have moved more, but the, the next three or four days have been in the same direction, mm-hmm. which is sort of odd. Um, I mean, like, Walmart has done nothing but go up since the earnings. I mean, they went up on the earnings, but now they continue to go up. So whatever the message was that caused it to make that move, and, and the move is never usually on the earnings themselves; they're on
5: the call. Yeah, that's I, the more I, important information. That's a, like I like I tell my, my youngsters that I teach: you don't buy you don't buy stocks because of what the company's done; you buy it because of what you think they're going to do. And on the earnings call, that's what that that's what they're telling you.
3: And or, and if they're giving you the full, full story, and
5: why that inevitably is more important.
3: Well, I'm mean, gonna I mean, I'm gonna kick the graph of Walmart up right here. They were uh, the earnings they, before the earnings. They were uh, you well, know, I got them down here almost like one thirty-seven, and the stock jumped to one forty-seven like the next day. But it's now it's one fifty-three, and it's kept going. Where uh, we're well, in May, the thing was. I don't know if this was earnings or whatever it was. It was one fifty on the thirteenth of May, and on the sixteenth or on the nineteenth, uh, it was uh, one nineteen. So they had earnings the other way in May, and now they've basically bounced right back up to the same number, which is, you know, I, I don't. It's hard for me. Uh, you know, the, the, maybe, maybe it's it's all people's perception or whatever it is, Russell. But I don't. I don't see like China having a massive COVID problem on a Monday, and on Tuesday, it's all it's all fixed. I mean, we're talking about a billion and a half people, for God's sake. I mean, I don't I mean, see, I mean, see Walmart having a, you know, they're going to hell in May, and all of a sudden in November, it's not like, you know, people can't see what's happening at Walmart. I mean, it's right there in front of you. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. Although one thing I think is, has changed somewhat, and I think it's a little bit maybe as part of this rally the last few days in UPS, is the Walmart? I don't. I don't know. I'm asking, I'm asking the question. Uh, cl- clearly, it's not a trading recommendation of any kind. But um, the fact that Walmart seems to be now outdueling Amazon online, aren't they? Or is they close? And then some they're
5: close, they're they're competing with them.
3: Well, is that is that the reason why this UPS, which has been in, absolutely in the in the dumper all year, has all of a sudden got a little life? Did Walmart use UPS more than Amazon? Is that, is that is there a connection there or not? I don't know. I'm asking. I'm asking no,
5: I think I think some of the some of the issues with Walmart was they uh, when we were having supply chain issues. I think Walmart built their inventory up too much. They took advantage of that um, dominant situation they have with suppliers, and then you know the economy started to slow on them at the exact same time. So I think they had, and I, I believe that's what happened to them back in the spring. And they kind of, and the reason that it's rallied up is it they they've worked through those issues. What? Uh, what do you mean? I mean, really, Walmart. I you know, Walmart's supposed to be this great defensive stock that should be doing well. Just like we're in right now, and like everything else, um, you know, the, the the it's different this time. Snuck up on them, and there have been a lot of it's different this time. This year, and that was the one with Walmart. was they uh, they They had too much inventory for a little while, and they had to work through it.
3: Well, they also were accused, or not accused. Uh, I guess you know, it was noted that they have a, a higher percentage of their of their sales there in food. So that's why they're all of a sudden sure. after being getting their ass kicked by Target forever, and all of a sudden they're they're running back over Target. That uh, mm-hmm. that that's now become. More of a, you know, people are more concerned about the food because of the inflation and so forth and other stuff. So, this really does. When you think of a stock of that magnitude, dropping from essentially one sixty to one twenty back to one fifty three in the same in a, you know, an eight month seven month period, that's unusual. I mean, we're not talking yeah, about it's a, a low know,
5: margin retailer.
3: Yeah, we're not talking about a dot com. I mean, yeah. when, when you start, but you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna say, Russell, somewhere at the at the end of the day. You know who knows when the end of the day is, but uh, somewhere at the end of the day, when people will say, "Well, the markets," look at how much they're moving, and a day to day, everything's a one percent, two percent move, and that will calm down a little bit. But it is, in some ways, uh, Russell. If you were given your class, I would, I would say you could, you could probably argue, well, that it's it's being very rational. That when you look at what the Fed's doing and the, and the government mm-hmm. and this this bill and that bill and this amount of spending. When you're trying to figure out the difference between uh, you know, a five percent interest rate going forward and a two percent rate, where one day it's liable to be three, the next day forward, the difference in Walmart or any of these companies, earnings going forward at a four percent discount or a four and a half or five or six or three is tremendous amounts of money difference in the value of a stock. It's it's not like I mean if all of oh a yeah. sudden I mean if the Fed yeah. if if they're gonna pivot and go back to one and a half well, hell, I'm mean, going to say all these companies are probably going to go up 40% or 30%, right?
5: <laughs> oh, absolutely. If you change your uh, if, if you change your discount rate that you're using the value of the company and that number goes down, and it, it's almost like a leveraged result. So, yeah, once uh, and, and I think that's what um, the stocks are starting to look at, and that's why I, you, know, you started out saying uh, the Morgan Stanley guy said we're going to drop a bunch and somebody else said it's going to be all good. Um I think we're closer to the it's be all good point I, I, I just don't barring you know some geopolitical situation if, we're, if we continue on the same track that we're on right now I think the worst is then the next year will be okay I don't think it's going to be a blowout year because we've still got issues to get past but I think the worst of it's behind us
3: No, it's interesting I don't know if you listened to the uh, you probably did in the first half hour or before we were talking about soccer um that, that Kevin asked me where I where my view of the stuff was, and I basically said the same thing I just told you. I said some people think here and there it depends on where the interest rates going. Eh, blah blah blah. And uh, and he he said, well, as usual. I mean, I'm gonna because I'm in the industry. I'm gonna I'm gonna zero in on, on valuations in the market. He said, everything he's seeing, everything is slowdowns mm-hmm. everywhere. Piles up of inventory. Uh, people are not they're not hiring. They're not in the layoff stage yet. He goes, but. Absolutely, everything is r- incredibly slowing down. Where the recession is in maybe the second—he didn't say this, but it's probably the second inning. And it, and I don't—you either give one kind of answer like you just did, or me kind of half-ass in the middle. But from Kevin, I don't know that the that the that the, the you know the, the professors of the world or I'm not—we haven't been through one of those kinds of recessions where everything just slows down and people get laid off. And some people, if you if you think the actual slowdown's is going to be bad. to where it's going to hurt people. Where we, a lot of people getting laid off. Then you have to take a look at the housing market because that's got That's mm-hmm. a, that's a ticking time bomb. If that happens, I'm mean, I hope it doesn't, where we can just kind of grow through it. But what what if it doesn't? What if all of a sudden we're? I mean, every all these states are. One of my guys uh, I do business was get an 800-hour check from the state of South Carolina. It's got to be federal money poured there. I mean, is this whole idea that. The, F- the Fed got this massive deficit. Give money to the states, this, Illinois. Is, I mean, Pritzker's um, you know glowing about how how the, he wants to pay off this and pay off that. That's all federal money, right? There, there's, there's, it's not like the, the the stuff in Illinois has changed, has it?
5: I don't think the stuff in Illinois has has changed. I mean, they. Yeah, I, I I don't know when you say that Pritzker says he's going to pay stuff off. I don't know where the the money's coming from for them to to pay the stuff off. I don't know if it's issuing debt or just taking a handout from the federal government. I think
3: they got a massive handout the federal government. I think the city and the state, all these people did. Recently? Oh, within well, the last for, year and a half.
5: I mean, but he takes. Oh, okay. Oh, you mean over the? Yeah, over the? Yeah. Well. Um. yeah. The federal government propping everything up over the last couple of years because of the COVID situation and then the economy.
3: Well, they used the COVID as an yeah. as an excuse to essentially bail out some crummy states, which you know I don't I don't even know what would happen if a state decided to go belly up.
5: But uh, uh, uh you know, I, I saw I saw a really interesting article where they talked about dividing Illinois up into uh, you know letting different states absorb parts of Illinois and then just making Chicago its own state and let them deal with it.
3: Well, Did you ever? Uh, in your in your years of reading all this stuff, did you ever read? uh boy, way back. It's, it's I've seen it some iterations, and they all kind of come out the same way. But if we had to do it all over again today, you'd probably have uh, thirty-five states. Mm.
5: No, I haven't seen that before, but I, I could
3: or forty somewhere in there. But you would, but yeah. how they would be all you know different. I mean, obviously California would be like three states. Oh yeah, but the. Uh, the, the state
5: would, would we not have a Delaware or a Rhode Island?
3: Uh, I think <laughs> maybe not. Uh, well we'd, have yeah. we'd have some, uh, shall we say, some combinations there. But it be not like New Hampshire, Vermont would be
4: one, even
3: though they have mm-hmm. a totally different view of the world. But the Illinois piece would be you know, Milwaukee, uh, Chicago, probably all the way to Detroit with all the stuff in northern Indiana and southern Michigan. But then your Iowa, Illinois, Ohio farm belt would be all one state. You know, so you'd, you'd, you'd do it under those kinds of things. I mean, mm-hmm. um, you know, you wouldn't have, you know, New York and Newark in different states, that kind of thing. Uh, but, I mean, it's, you know, whether you want to do that or not, or whoever
5: could do it, I, you know, it's just... It's just oh, my God, they can't even figure out congressional districts.
3: Oh, I know. Well, it's...
5: <laughs>
3: well, you you know, but you do have to... I was uh, talking to Kevin. We had a couple minutes here, but what do you think of this, this vote on this railroad strike? Well, I mean, I have a... This, this bugs cool. me, because I have a buddy who's a, one of these guys, and uh, he tells me about the, the work rules that have been imposed over the last three or four years. Is these congressmen even reading any of this crap before they vote on this thing?
5: Oh, I severely doubt it. In fact, when did Congress become involved in this? I thought it was just Biden doing things over and over again.
3: Um, I, you know, I looked yesterday. I tried to Google it.
5: You know, it, it seems like the responsibility suddenly switched, suddenly switched from the president to Congress, because uh, this was it, the it, first time I heard you know, Congress it, it associated with it.
3: It, it didn't suddenly. Um, okay. Matter of fact, because I tried to, there, there is some law when the railroads were all, you know, I'll give a little bit of two-minute history of how these railroads were even built maybe after the break, but uh, there is some law, I think it dates back to the 1800s, I'm not positive, that gives the, the uh, federal government huge amount of power over railroads. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, they, uh, they nationalized them during World War One. right?
5: Hmm. I don't
3: know that for a fact. I, I, I I'm a bit surprised. It <laughs> sounds like a deal, a, a, a thing for a man. I, I'll, I'll bet any amount that they nationalized. I don't know how many years, but they there is an 1800s 19th century law that gives the Congress amazing amount of power over railroads. Because essentially, the, 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 the U.S. government, for lack of a better term, built the railroads. And I don't know if you know any of the history of that, but uh,
5: yeah, yeah, no, ta- you've, you've you've talked about that before. They they basically incentivize. Um, maybe not in the best way, but incentivized uh, the building of the railroad. Well, the uh, they, 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 the incentives could be uh, could be played kind of nicely, where you could get paid a lot more to basically build an inefficient railroad line.
3: Well, that too, but. Matt, you yeah.
6: you got it, or what? Are you? Yeah, this is according to ConstitutionCenter.org. It was on December mm. 26, 1917, uh, when President Woodrow Wilson issued an order for the federal government to nationalize the entire rail wo- si- rail, railroad system during World War One. So yeah, you got it. I don't know
3: exactly what that entailed, mm. but uh, I mean, if you actually if you put good <laughs> people in government as the CEOs of the railroads, but uh, but it was uh, if, if ever when I when I when I say this, it's not just because it's an interest of mine, mm. but if anybody really wants to. Every dirty trick that every, any anybody ever did in Enron or any of those other places, all you have to do is read railroad history. The dirty tricks are right there. Oh yeah. It was it was like, you know, Russell's like you not being able to invent another fetish. You know, you keep cause they've all been thought of before. <laughs> like, you know, it, it, it it's basically there was a guy. What the hell was his name? Uh, he 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 bought and sold like how many? He was a robber baron like of every single railroad. What the hell was the guy's name? I'll think of it over the break. But they, every one of these things, if you read the history of railroads, every single one of them has been a merger. This guy took in Simon something or other. Anyway, but they, everybody, this one merged and they didn't merge and this one broke apart. Mm. Every dirty trick know, known to, to man was, was done with the railroads. It was like they, they wrote a book on how to... I mean, Enron was the exact mm. same thing. The Union Pacific, uh, or the, the Central Pacific, those guys had a massive contract to build a railroad. Well, they ended up putting a, con- a company together where they were the, the, the chief stockholders. So the money that the Union or the Central Pacific got to build the railroad, they actually farmed out the, the track laying and so forth, which was building the railroad, to this other company, and they paid them a real lot of dough, and they bankrupt the original place. Well, they made all the dough in the second place. Is that, does that sound like Enron to you, Russell? <laughs> it
5: kind of sounds like Enron. It sounds like uh, pre-SEC stuff.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, plus it's you know, they wouldn't allow
5: They wouldn't allow that today, is it's funny because you said the, uh, I, you were talking about the robber barons, and I was thinking they did the same kind of stuff that Enron did, and the Enron guys go to jail. We have universities named after these other guys.
3: Well, <laughs> actually, the guy, the guy I'm talking about is Jay Gould. Remember that name? Mm-hmm. He was, he was, he, he could have been, the, you know, he, he made, you know, the guys uh, today, the, the, you know, the guys that are, uh, you know, trying to take over companies, he made those guys look like kids. Mm-hmm. Anyway, S&P futures up three now. As if you're just up 23, we're, we're leaking here. Actually, we're not only up twenty five. You're right back, Stocks and Jocks.
2: How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas, and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know. All while exploring how to live your best life through music, spirits,
8: Stocks,
3: jocks stocks, and jocks, stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Well, I don't know if I stocks and jocks. I'm Tom about I'm at front of the board. We have numbers coming under third quarter GDP came in at a revised number of 2.9 percent growth versus prior 2.6. Now that's a uh, Obviously it would be higher than that, and then you got to subtract out the uh, PCE, uh, which I think comes out today, or tomorrow. Uh, I'll, I'll look on that. But then we have the labor numbers, the ADP was at 127, below like the 190 estimate, so that's lower. Um, but we and p futures are up 50 cents, NASDAQ futures up 14, so not that much there. Dow futures are down like 12, so we flattened out here after we were up. Over in Europe, the DAX up 43.3%, FTSE up 63.8%, around up 518 in Asia, we've got the Nikkei down 58.2, Shanghai up a buck, call that flat. Hang Seng up 392. It's another 2%, 18.5. Up from the 14.5. I'm gonna say, I'm going I'll check that out for tomorrow I'll show up on the exact date. Uh, but Russell's gonna have to opine here on where this big rally came for and hang Hang Seng. Is it COVID restrictions being eased? Whatever it is, but all of a sudden they went way down and they're coming way back up. Uh, bonds unchanged at 3.75. When I say Bonds 10-year rate. The Bund up three basis points, 1.95. Japan unchanged at 0.25. Oil uh, rallying up 250. That's over 3%, 8070. First time it went over 80 bucks in a while. Uh, Brent up 2 bucks, 230, in fact. 2, 2.8%, 85.33. Natural gas down 3 cents, 719. Arbob up 6 cents, 240. Red got gold rallying for the second day in a row. Up 14 bucks, 1777. Silver up 52 cents, 2196. I'm long both of those for my clients. Yes! Uh, copper up a dime, three forty-three, seventy-four. I guess even professionals cheer when things go their way, which mm-hmm. is, they don't always go your way. <laughs> uh, Bitcoin up three forty-nine, sixteen eight hundred nine. So I won't say in a comfort zone here, but at least it's uh, not it's it's not flying down this week. So the, the whatever the crisis is, is at least not not today. Uh, and the euro, euro and the uh, British pound are both up as the dollar is down. That's why gold all stuff is up. So we have the euro dollar back up to. Not the Euro dollar, the Euro. Mm. It's back up to almost 1.04, and the pound is right about 1.20. So quite a bit away from the and a half
6: bottom that made a few months ago. Matt, what do you got for us, Travely Weather Sports? Hey, yeah, well, Good morning, currently 7.36 a.m. on November 30th, 2022. Uh, traffic in Chicago, nothing much to speak of, but do keep in mind an accident on the Edens going northbound, uh, currently blocking the left lane before Winnetka Road. Uh, expect delays up to five minutes. Now for weather in Chicago, 24 degrees currently, partly cloudy, expect a high of 34 degrees today, Uh, temperatures similar for tomorrow as well. In Phoenix, 45 degrees, clear skies, expect a high of 73 degrees in the afternoon. Now for sports, Blackhawks do play against the Edmonton Oilers tonight at the United Center, Hawks 6-11 this season, game starts at 8.30 p.m. Bulls also on tonight and playing the Phoenix Suns, game starts at 8 p.m., Bulls at 9 wins, 11 losses, Suns 14-6. Week thirteen, in the NFL starts up this Thursday. We'll see the Bills play the Patriots. Bills lead in total wins, eight to Patriots six. Game starts at seven fifteen PM tomorrow night. That's all for now, Chief. Back to you.
3: Um. So, Russell, what do they get these uh these numbers here? Uh, they're you got the you got the market damn near flat here all of a sudden. What what is the uh, curiosity? Because I don't want to miss ask, asking you last week. What what in the hell's going on in Hang Seng? I mean, why? The 14,000 was like the place was going under, and all of a sudden they've had a almost a 30% move in, in two and a half weeks or three weeks, whatever it is.
5: Yeah, there's, a, there's this belief that they're going to give up the zero COVID thing next year and that things will return to normal in China. And that, that really is what, the, that's probably the, the one factor that drives that stock index right now. Um, and that, that really, that really is what it is. They feel like that, uh, try that they're finally like, going to throw in the towel and say, "Look, this was not the way to approach this thing." You know, welding people into their homes—it <laughs> yeah. doesn't work. And the other thing is, there's a the belief that they're going to, uh, because their their vaccine doesn't work with a damn either, um, and that they're going to you know import vaccines and get everybody healthy and get back to work. Um, that, that it, and if you believe that then yeah I think it's a good idea personally I don't believe that
3: My, uh, I have two uh, very serious questions that I think are are tradable the answer is tradable whether we'll have the answer or not is another issue but mm-hmm. uh, when everybody seems to think that we're going to go back to quote normal but everybody has a different view of what normal is I mean if you're, mm-hmm. if you're an investor of the last 10 years investor is normal is interest rates 1% stocks with incredible multiples and you know, all you do is throw your money in the market and, and go to the bar and a week later it's uh, you got more money other people would say that that's not normal at all, that's craziness and uh, normal the normal is everybody you know if a, if a stock's trading for a hundred bucks they're going to be making seven or eight <laughs> and they're, they're going to be sending you a check for three, I mean I don't think we're going back to that either but I mean, somewhere uh-huh. in the middle there. When you say going back to, I mean, what 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 does normal mean in in in, uh, in uh, China? I mean, they still have massive debt issues. They've got cities that nobody lives in. Um, do they think all that's just going to be erased? All these debt problems. I mean, what? How do you get from here to normal once you decide what normal is?
5: Uh, I don't think they ever go back to, to normal. I think um, there's a going to be there's a long term reluctance to use them. As the supplier for anything, if you can go somewhere else, and at the same time, uh, you know, companies are, you know, companies learned a lesson about being so reliant on buying stuff from China or buying, you know, unfinished goods from China to assemble into more complex goods. I, I don't think they ever recover from it. I really don't. Uh, I think this is this is the beginning of the decline of. of China being run by the Communist Party. Really? Yeah.
3: Well, you know that would be a good thing. I hope you're right. It
5: would. It would be. But it, like a lot of things, you know, it was a it was a good thing that everybody piled on and uh, you know stopped Hitler after he had done a lot of bad things. But it was not a pleasant experience to stop him.
4: No.
3: Did you and see I, that? And, uh, I,
5: and I worry about it not being a very pleasant experience. Um. I, I don't think the Communist Party in China will would ever be as willing to give up power like the Communist Party was in Russia.
3: Uh, I would agree with that. I think
5: I think there's a stubbornness there, you know, and, and I'm, I'm probably you know stereotyping a bit, but there's a, uh, a a constant, you know, there's just a stubbornness to never admit that you're wrong, and um. There, there's a guy that that, that, that I, I don't know. Yeah, you know, I'm terrible at pronunciation, but there's a there's a guy that's like a spokesman for the, uh, the Communist Party, and he does you know the same things like the White House press room does. He does, uh, you know, he'll answer questions. And he got a question the other day uh, that was basically, do you think the government will reach, you know, will redo their uh, approach to COVID and the zero COVID policy because uh, of, you know, the the pushback that you're starting to see from citizens. And the guy at the podium shuffled papers and looked at the ground for about 30 seconds and then took the next question. He didn't even respond. He didn't even try to BS around it. He just didn't say anything. And then they went to the next question.
3: Well, your guy... Zhang Zemin. Oh my God! Back from your day. Uh huh. Croaked today. Yeah, he did. Ninety-six. Yeah. And we've got to investigate this. He was in the prime of his life in ninety-six. <laughs> I wouldn't. You know what? It wouldn't surprise. You know. Making too soon. You know. I don't, I don't. I don't want to get into a uh, a vaccine versus not vaccine uh, thing. I'll save that for Carl. Uh, uh-huh. But uh, I would love to know that all these Chinese people that are getting. Covid that are unvaccinated, all right. If they are getting it again, like a lot of the people
5: there's here, there's no way we would ever know. Is my, uh, my 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 younger daughter who's 16? We were talking about you know honesty, but she was she she said, "Did you know that one out of every six deaths, or something, or you know, Covid deaths, was in the United States?" And I was like, "Honey, I want you to think about that one for a couple of minutes." You know do you think we are more forthcoming and do you think we're more honest about the numbers mm. that we report to the world? Mm. And um, and then she started digging around and she goes, do you realize there's countries in Africa that apparently nobody died of COVID? Yeah, ever? Yeah. And I said, well, honey, I, I was kind of guiding her through that whole process.
3: Well, way uh, back, uh, we but did a... Uh,
5: Ch- China just lies about it.
3: Mm. Well, we did a, uh, a show when... One, 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 Covid, we're, we're talking about uh, March of two thousand nineteen when everything shut down, right? Yeah. Is that the date? Right. Twenty twenty.
6: Yeah.
3: Well, twenty twenty. Okay, and uh, yeah. so it's it started pretty much in two thousand and nineteen, right? Yeah,
5: in it was. Uh, yeah, because late two thousand. We, we we think one of our kids got it in December of twenty nineteen when we were in Germany.
3: Um. Yeah, I, I mean, it's not a. I mean,
5: she was weird sick, and looking back at it
3: um oh, right. but, but I i guess from when, I, when I, my uh there one of our, our contributors to the show uh the attorney uh, greg greg ripsinski uh was in a uh, uber one morning mm-hmm. and just when it was this first start it was before we shut down or anything it was like late february maybe early march and they got the uber drivers from uh the wuhan area his family's mm-hmm. from there huh. and so they they had just said you know 20,000 people had it over there and it was you know becoming a worldwide issue and they had you know I don't know, a thousand deaths or some crap, you know, whatever it was, and uh, he says to Greg, "My parents are over there; they're still there." And I communicate. He goes, "Does anybody think that a thousand deaths of anything from China is going to be is is world news?" <laughs> <Well>. <laughs> he goes, what are you talking about? He goes, I'm, "He goes, I'm going to say the number is at least several million have it, and there's at least a quarter million, three hundred thousand deaths. They essentially just shut." everything down, shoved everybody home, made made sure everybody got it essentially in their house, because if you're in there with 10 other people, you're going to get it. And the bodies were thrown out the back door, and the people after a week or two that were healthy enough went back to work out the front door. And they brought in uh, how many crematoriums, for God's sake, that were working 24-7 to get rid of the bodies. I mean, this is is insanity. And Mm -hmm. I think if you went online today, if you look at total deaths in China, it's probably 85,000 or something. (laughs) <laughs> it's like, really? It, really? That
5: happened the first week. I mean, you know. Yeah, they, they recently pr- reported one of their higher numbers of new cases. And I think the number was like 30,000 out of, you know, and, and this was a, a peak number for them uh, that they reported. That's, I mean, and that's just the thing is they just don't report it. Well, I gotta, and, we, and we have no, we, you know, we can – we can extrapolate things. Uh, we we talked a couple of years ago about uh, being able to, to you know to see how you know how the crematoriums were working. You could spot that from the air. Um, dormant cell phone accounts yeah. were ridiculous. You know, and then uh, and then you know, the, the, and just get it. well, everybody in China had a couple of you know, maybe had one, they had more than one cell phone. Um, yeah, both. Bo- yeah, so you know they they don't need both of them because they're in, in quarantine or whatever. Whatever. Um, it's pretty obvious that it hit them a lot worse than, than they'll ever have been.
3: Well, we didn't. Uh, we didn't exactly we're all that forthcoming. When I say forthcoming here, we're in
5: the, we're in the other direction. Well,
3: how many if people? I, you know what?
5: If if that if was you know if I was positive COVID and let you know let's say i walked down to the curb to pick up my uh to, to, to grab the paper and i stepped into traffic and got killed they would have counted me as a COVID dad
3: oh absolutely absolutely you know but we also uh, didn't count i mean i know the people we we slammed home and mm-hmm. we've been over this before but just uh especially in, in some of the minority communities i mean not everybody was in you know cnbc or Fox business news with, with a 10,000 square foot apartment in, in Manhattan where they live by themselves saying everybody should just stay home and, mm-hmm. oh, by the way, the mail will still show up and my sandwich still gets delivered. Uh, you know, A lot of people, when you went home, there was there were people there, right? So so yeah. somebody had it, but uh, I don't think we, most of those people, those people, most people just got sick and uh, I had it. The only way I was, I was counted was I was going to go for a, a, a minor procedure and they tested me before I went in and they found I had it. I, mm-hmm. didn't even, I didn't even know I had it. But I, otherwise, I would never have gone for a test. I would have just been sick for a few days and went back to work. I mean, that's yeah. what, what most of the people did. Anyway, but uh, the other serious question and for in terms of uh, oh DoorDash laying off 1,250 people, where, where are all these people going to find a job? Uh, the, uh, <laughs> you, you mentioned, um, you know, I, did, I mentioned earlier, the uh, question is, is there a trade here? Uh, you know, because obviously people are listening want to know if any of this benefits anybody. I'll just give you a quick background in the, in the story in, uh, of the 20s, the, the roaring 20s. Well, if you read William Kennedy's book, the roaring 20s were 5 to 10% of the population, maybe less. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the agricultural community was in a recession slash depression, depending on what state you were in. You know, coal miners were in bad shape. Everybody, a lot of people in bad shape. Uh, so, but the decade went onward. And if you read the headlines... And you, and you you were able to buy an Auburn or a Duesenberg or something, you know, you were a cat's ass basically. And if you were in the movies and all the other stuff, I mean, people did well, and, uh, and some people. New York markets were up; people did well, and, and but the rest of the people didn't. Now, William Kennedy's point in his book was that all came to a, a, a head basically in November of twenty nine. Even though the whole year stock market had looked like it was going to go down, and then somebody propped it back up, or those kinds mm-hmm. of things. They essentially met one day in the playing field, and and, and the, the, the the five percenters lost. The over the rest of the people's bad times overwhelmed the. You, you couldn't get enough people to buy Duesenbergers down the chain, so you ended up losing Duesenberg. So, but right now, I mean, you and I, me, I'm kind of in the middle on this, but uh, I mean, you and you and uh, I'm going to say I won't say Tom Lee, but I will uh, are on the on the side of. We're going to go back sort of to normal, and some of these stocks that have really been beaten up, that actually have a purpose, not just because everybody has to stay home with COVID, are going to come back, and the Fed's going to normalize a little bit. To where we're not going to go back to one percent, but we might see, you know, if they go if they make it to five, we're going to see, you know, three and a half again or three and a quarter, which mm-hmm. might be normal going forward, uh, which I would say is probably normal. That all of a sudden everything's going to be okay on kind of the market side, and yet uh the other side of the coin is we're seeing buildups of another you know, people laying off today what if all this causes a housing issue what if it does cause a problem in demand and and all of a sudden which side's going to win this the, the the investor class who's hopeful that we're going to get by this without too much of a wing nut or the other side saying man this this is just not getting any better i mean our i mean i don't know if i had the answer I'd either be buying calls or puts today, knowing the direction. Maybe not today. I'd be buying them out six months, but uh, buying them today out six months on an expiration. But I, I honestly don't. I mean, what do you? Who do you think's going to win? And if, is it going to have repercussions? I, I don't see the housing market dropping like a stone. If it, you know, I hope it doesn't. But if it does, I don't see that having no impact on the market. I don't know how much of an impact, but can the market withstand it? Is the market already priced it in? I guess is the question too.
5: Well, uh, the, the market can deal with the. The big difference between housing when it affected the market and housing now is I don't think there are as many people in houses that they can't afford.
3: I think you're right you, on that. I think you know that, what I
5: mean? I, I I mean so, and then you also haven't, you didn't have, although I had one person, um, I had a, a, a student that was in a graduate program who after attending two classes decided that, I swear this is just great, after attending a couple of classes last October, decided that, or actually last November, decided that they didn't want to do graduate school, that they would do better putting all their money in real estate. Okay, then. And, and yeah, and when they when they told their advisor that's what they wanted to do, I looked right at the advisor and I said, we should go short real estate.
3: Yeah. Yeah,
5: and I did... So, um, but I don't think there's been the same kind of speculative activity I mean I knew an evergreen I knew an evergreen park cop that quit being a cop to spend all of his time rehabbing houses he's an evergreen park cop again um, you know that, it, that so if the housing market cools off I don't think it has the same sort of ripple effect in it has. it just means people won't move
3: I don't I don't think uh yeah, it's anywhere near the, the leverage and stuff it had in two thousand eight, and i right, close. Right. However, and I don't. I don't. When you say people can afford where they are, they can afford where they are if they stay.
5: Yeah, and and you can't and, and you can't move right now.
3: Right. Well, that, that's my. I mean, I,
5: I had this. I, I I pick on my sister down in Memphis, but um, I I own the condo that she lived in, and um and she and I bought it for like ninety and. I bought it for 93 years ago and I think Zillow says it's worth $130 or something like that now and I told her that and she goes oh well, why don't we get me a bigger place <laughs>
3: there's one way of looking at it
5: oh yeah yeah. yeah. She's, she's, that's, I, I always know what, what comments coming out of her mouth when I bring stuff like that out. and I said well Susan if we do that you know the place that we're going to move to cost more now as well Yeah. So, yeah, I said, and then also, you know, and I did show her how changes in interest rates affect the payment because I make the payments and then she pays me. But um, yeah, but I, I, you funny that she was like, "Oh, well, yeah, I guess, I guess I can't move."
3: <laughs> well, but the the issue uh, is is the same as, and again, this is this is why I really would love to know this. I mean, I, I, I guess I don't wouldn't love to know it if I know that any, if the news is going to be bad, but. Same thing for individual people who didn't really speculate on stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm of the opinion that 90 percent of the damage in 2008 was done to very legitimate people that put up 20 and 15 and 10 percent in her house. All the idea that the only people that got hurt were people that put up 2 percent—that's that's a total load of BS. You regu- mm-hmm. So, but so back then, if somebody would have bought his house or her house or together for the then median price of 230 and was able to ride it out for 10 years, and neither one of them ever lost a job or didn't get divorced or didn't whatever, all the stuff that happens to people. Mm-hmm. You, you, and you're still there. It wasn't your best buy, but now the thing's worth, you know, 3 dollars you, you know, your timing was hor- horse bleep, but 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 you made out. But but if you were forced to sell it, either because you lost your job and had to transfer to Tulsa or someplace, you've sold it for 195 yeah, and and when you did, if you put the twenty thousand dollars down, this is why people are so worried about you know the, the how much you put down. The only difference, you know, this Russell, the only difference is who lost the equity. If you put twenty percent down and the house lost twenty percent, you lost it. But but, the, yeah. but you, it was either your nut from your parents that they had saved up or the money you and your wife had saved up. It basically took you know a big chunk of your wealth off your balance sheet. You know, the, I mean, the money was lost someplace. So. So if you had to go to Tulsa, guess what? Now you don't have a down payment. Yeah. And and you're screwed. Well, if, if neither one of you had lost your job, if you didn't get divorced or anything like that, and you were able to weather the storm, and right now I agree with you. Virtually everybody who bought their house in the last three years, I'll say three years, I will say 3 years i exactly at at three, three and a quarter, three and a half percent, probably is fine. But now if you're one of these DoorDash people today and your next job is in, uh, you know, Kentucky or, or Tennessee, where you came from,
5: where, where you got up?
3: and I got to sell this place. Uh, first of all, even if I can, even if I scratch my house, you go down there and buy another one. Scratch meaning it's a floor term for some of the same price you bought it for. They mm. go down to Tennessee. Uh, guess what? I can't buy if I just paid three hundred for this one. I'm only paying. What can I buy now? One fifty at the at the double of mortgage rate. So as long as people aren't knocked off their stool, for lack of a better term. I think we can weather it. The question is, and this is what I'm asking you, how many people are going to get knocked off their stool by these layoffs and the other stuff? Kevin seems to think that that number might be more than worse than we think. You know, some people, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I wish I knew the answer, I guess, my, my point.
5: Um, you know, in the tech sector, you got to assume a lot of those people that are being laid off are probably renters because uh, it's so damn expensive to to buy property out in the Silicon Valley already. Yeah. So I don't I, I don't I don't think the the layoff thing is gonna um, have too much of a negative impact on I, I just don't see where we are trajectory wise even if and we are gonna have higher unemployment next year. That that's just kind of a given. I don't think that's gonna bleed over to the housing market. Well I sure hope that's right. and I don't think it's gonna bleed over to the housing market because I know housing went up, and we had this weird demographic shift where people that normally would rent um, probably moved into houses a little quicker than they normally would because uh, moved out from Lincoln Park to one of the birds uh, because it was, you, you were losing yeah. your mind being alone in an apartment or whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, I just... I, I, I don't think... I, I don't worry about housing. All right, well, you guys... I but I mean... I just, I, I don't, I, you know, uh, I don't worry about. I don't worry about the overall economy. I think we're going to have a unpleasant landing, not a not a soft landing or a hard landing, but something something in between there.
3: Well, I, you know, you uh, know, Robin, when she moved to New Jersey, the, the whole whole area was what were the names of the guys? The uh, oh, gosh. The soprano? No, they were Lucent. They were all Lucent. Okay. Well, they were, every neighborhood worked for Lucent. Not everybody, but a real lot of yeah. people. I don't know to uh, talk about. And when Lucent went under, she said about five houses on the block went up. Well, they're, I don't yeah. know, five because they've got a pretty big block. But and she said the next year, every every class in the school had, you know, 40% less kids. So mm-hmm. you think that, that, I mean, obviously that was an area that had was a, I won't say company town, but damn near. You're saying that that phenomenon is going to be very muted in Silicon Valley. I don't really know much about Silicon Valley, so you're saying they can lose a hundred thousand people out there, and it's not going to well, not going to bother them that much. I mean, there's going to bother them some, we know, but
5: right, and and it might, you know, it, we we used to have regional regional issues with housing as opposed to a national one, and and 2008 was the first time we had a national one. It's very possible that you know that you could have. A different housing, you know, a very different market from, you know, SMA to SMA.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I think you and I are both so, on the same page so, here. The question is, are they, are they bumps in the road, or are they going to be boulders? I mean, uh,
5: I, I think they're they're really large bumps, but not boulders yet. Okay, not boulders yet. Hmm. No, I don't think I don't I don't think we're going to experience the boulders. I, I, I mean, I don't think twenty twenty three is going to be the best of years for a lot of people. But as far as the you know, you talked about the regular class and then the investor class. Uh, I think for the investor class, the worst is behind us. All right. Well, I, and I, and, the, and, the, and stocks generally turn before the economy. Well, I'm, I hope I'm
3: you. But are we yeah. are, are, are we getting are we being infected by the new generation? Where, you know, uh, we're gonna you know if we if we want to have a baby in in one month, we have sex with nine girls. I mean, we're we're not doing that, are we? No,
5: I'm not. I'm not doing that anymore.
3: No. I not anymore. <laughs> anyway. hey, Russell, thank you very much. <laughs> to you <to, to laughs> on that note. <laughs> that was I'm a great line. Michelle. That was a great line from the engineer at the uh, at Pullman. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I right. always thought
5: I always tried to give you one.
3: Oh god, that's p futures down 3 days, futures down 450 even though GDP was was uh, revised higher, we're still leaking here a little bit. We were up back tomorrow, stocks and jocks.
2: Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures go to pti-securities.com pti prodirect trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract learn more at ptiprodirect.com nadex offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets visit nadex.com homesource realty call Audrey johnson at 708-349-3456 hamzi analytics listen to Fari hamzi every other thursday and visit hamzianalytics.com cairo med Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. Dax Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.
7: You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.